Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. What a beautiful time we've had already this morning. And I consider it just this beautiful privilege to stand before you in my own brokenness and bring to you what God has placed on my heart this week. And as we step into this series of starting point and uh, recap a little bit the things that we've already heard. So Jean talked to us about this whole thing and uh, Tyler referenced it and I love it. This whole question of what was it that motivated us toward this life of following Jesus? Was it just this curiosity of, I wonder what this is? Like, who is this person of Jesus? Or maybe for you it was, you're a sinner, you're going to hell if you don't turn around right now. Well, both kind of motivational, right? Jean talked to us about sin. And sometimes we don't like to use the word sin, we'd rather use the word mistake. Are we sinners or mistakers? Is it a, oops, I did it again. (laughs) All right, come back, come back with me. All right, come back, come back, we're at church. All right, so sin at its very, very core is a disconnection from our Father. It is doing things my way, not his way. It is a condition of the heart. So if sin is a condition of the heart, if we can all agree on that, then how is it measured? How do we measure someone's condition of their heart? Who does it? Does it even need to be done? Maybe we need some rules. I don't know how you feel about rules. Um... I won't go into the feelings right now, but what about those 10 commandments? What about those 10 commandments? Um, I wanna just look, and I'm not gonna have it on the screen, I'm just gonna have you um, just listen to me here in Galatians. Paul is calling out the Galatians, and he's specifically calling out Peter, who's one of his dudes. And he's saying, you are relying way too much on the rules. You're putting your trust in the rules instead of putting it in Christ. He says, because the Messiah lives in me, I'm now dead to the law's domain and the law's dominion over me so that I can live for Christ. He says, the anointed one lives his life through me. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much he gave his life for me and dispenses his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then him dying would have been for nothing. He goes on and he gets a little bit uh, snarkier. And he says, why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the spirit by trying to finish with your own works? What does a lavish supply of the Holy Spirit in your life and the miracles of God's tremendous power have to do with you keeping religious laws? And then he references Deuteronomy and Leviticus and says, remember what was said back in the day? 
Utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in the law. And in Leviticus, if you practice the principles of law, you must follow all of them. Okay, we can see here, we know, like following the letter of the law, okay, it's impossible. It is impossible. We have got to rely on this relationship with God and, and believe that grace and faith is what is going to trump religion and rules and the law. Now, is there any value in the law and in rules? I think that as soon as there's more than one person involved, yeah, we've got to have it. It's like God spoke through Moses to the Israelites saying, all right, I see a group of you here. Here are, here are, here's the way that you should now live. And he gave them a list of things, the do's and don'ts, the, the 10 commandments saying, okay, this is now how we should live. So we've got kind of a before and after. We've got the before Jesus, we have the Old Testament version, we have the 10 commandments. And they're gonna be on the screen behind me and I'm guessing most of you know all these do's and don'ts. So the first few are, ref are referring to this respect that we need to have for God, for who he is, for his name. And then it goes on to talk about ways that we respect each other. We um, show value for each other's possessions, life, uh, reputation, and even uh, spouses and authority. So it's a way that we can um, show value, we can be respectful, and it can easily be measured, right? Like I can say, well, you killed somebody. Pretty easy to see. So easily measured and often would have consequences. So then enter Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross, and he says, now... There's a new way. He elevates the law now. And as it says in Matthew 22, 37, where Jesus here is being put on the spot, at least so the Pharisees think. They know the law to the letter. They know it. And so they're asking God, so what's the greatest commandment? And his answer in Matthew 22 is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love each other. Really simple, right? But he takes it another level up and this now becomes a condition of our hearts. So we're not just looking at the things we do, but the condition of our hearts. And in Matthew 5, I'm gonna hit a little bit towards the end of um, the end of that chapter, just to show you, and again, the words of Jesus, where he says, you know what? You've heard it say that you should not kill someone. But I am saying to you, don't even have anger in your heart. Right? So we've taken the law and we've elevated it. Where's your heart? He says, you've heard it say not to commit adultery. I'm saying to you, don't even look at another person with lust. He talks about oaths and he talks about loving your enemies. So don't just not hate your enemies, but love them. Love those that do wrong. 
talks about giving with pure motives and about how we pray and how we fast, that we don't do it for the outward and for the praise of man, but that we do it from our heart. Talks to us about money. If you wanna know where your heart is, let's talk about money. He says, don't worry, don't judge, and celebrate and champion each other. And then he reminds us to come to God through the narrow gate. Again, these are the words of Jesus, friends. He says, the wide gate and the broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate and the difficult way leads to eternal life. So I think he's saying, you know what? It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be cush. But this is the way. This is the higher standard that he is calling us to. It's a superior way of living. And again, it's because of his power in us. Not because we are so amazingly good at this, but because of his power in us, we can rise to this other level of love. Love is superior. So do we talk about a life without rules? Okay, so we're thinking maybe not so much on the rules side, but what about grace alone? Many of us come from religion and all the rules, and we've said, oh, I think I'm gonna come over here to grace. I'm going to believe this thing of grace. But grace alone, I'm afraid, is, is just maybe the other ditch, because I think where we're in grace alone, I don't think accountability can live there. So what happens if we kind of come to the middle? What happens if we can come into this space of, we know, that we know how to act, we know that God's grace covers us over and over and over again because we can't fulfill all the law. But what happens when we step into community which often translates, or I think should translate, into accountability. I know that word makes us itchy, because I don't like when anybody calls me out on my crap. What about this thing of community? We create a space here for community. That's what Restore is. It's what a lot of churches are. But is it a rule? Like, do you have to come to church? I don't think it's one of the Ten Commandments. But I know that Paul over and over and over implores the churches that he's writing letter to, letters to, to like, don't forsake the gathering. Like, gather together to encourage, to affect each other for change. He says, gather together. See, if you come to church because it's something you check off your box, or if maybe you don't come to church because you don't feel like it, eh, I'm not feeling it this morning. Kind of cold outside. My kids are a mess. I know that's a real thing. I lived it. If your motivation lies in self, 
and you come just to check a box, I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's been this thing of I'm sitting here and I don't really think the music is uh, that great, the preacher's preaching too long, I don't really like the coffee, service is too long, then it becomes about me. If I can come to church and I can be here because I understand my impact and I understand that someone may need to see me today. That someone may need me to, I don't know, pray for them, to even just give them a word of encouragement. Maybe I've gone through something someone else is going through and I can link arms. So if I can think of this whole thing of coming to church as not a, oh, it's what I do on Sunday only, it's a great habit, but seeing it as a way that we can gather together and encourage each other. Because you know what? I know for some of you, this is the only part of your week that has encouragement in it, that is positive for you. So it's a way that we come together, encourage each other, cheer each other along, to do this representation of Jesus in the rest of our days. So I'm suggesting you come to church. And I know that there are many of you on the other side of that camera that have really good reasons for not being here. So we're just gonna say there's exceptions, right? And I know that there is one watch party happening, which is amazing, because there is community. And I know there are things that happen that allow us to not be here. I'm just suggesting to you that perhaps you check where's your heart. Where's your heart in why you do or don't come to church? Because again, we can fall in the ditch on both way, in both ways. So where's your heart in that? And while we're on this whole thing of accountability, do you know what time church starts? <laughs> yeah, guilty. You guys know what time church starts. It has not changed since the first time we met. Do you know that less than half of you are here when it starts? Okay, I'm saying in this, my best mom voice right now because I feel a little responsible for y'all. I know you're on time for, church, for work. You get your kids to school on time. I bet you're not late for the ball game. Why does it matter? Why does it matter if you're here if you're not here on time? Let me tell you. I think Gene's here probably every Sunday morning by like 6.15, he gets the coffee going. He knows what's important. By 7.15-ish, I think staff is here. They're praying together. They're praying about the morning. By 8.15, anyone that does anything on the stage is here. Although I will tell you this morning, probably many Sunday mornings, there's somebody that's not here at 8.15. And then we wait. By 9.15, all of the rest of the volunteers are here. So anybody that's working in kids and um, our host team, we're all gathering down in the lounge for a huddle. So it's this, uh, Jean usually encourages us, reminds us of what it is we're doing and why. 
taking it out of that duty role into we are here to encourage each other and to create a, a space that is safe for accountability and vulnerability. By 9.30, everybody in kids is ready for your kids and the host teams there at the doors greeting you, opening the doors for you. And there's somebody constantly working on the coffee. <clears throat> so what happens when you don't show up before 10? Well, the host team, the host team stays out for at least 10 minutes after 10 for everybody that's coming late. None of them have ever complained, by the way. Nobody's ever said, oh, we still gotta wait for those people. We actually kind of joke about it. Um, but I would imagine, and again, nobody in kids has complained, but the disruption of like 10 extra kids coming in after class has started. So what I'm saying in all of this is there's a respect issue here. I don't think that we show value and care very well for each other when we can't respect time. It's a simple little thing of time. I know personally for me how disheartening it can be sometimes to be prepared and be all amped up to welcome everybody and, and most of you aren't here. We've actually changed the way we do some things because so few people are here at 10. Okay, are you still with me? Yeah, I love you. I just think we can do better. I think we can do better. And I think this is a great place to practice. If we say we want to be more like Jesus, if we really say we want to be more effective and we want to grow, there will be some growing pains. And it may feel like that accountability piece, what I just called y'all on. We are promised, and again, the words of Jesus in John 16, that we will have troubles and sorrows. It's not an if, it is a when. So, are we okay with that? Are we okay with like, yes, we want more, but are we okay with the growing pains? Last week, one day I came home from work and my feet hurt and I wasn't wearing new shoes. I wasn't, really didn't do anything different. So I sat on the couch, took my shoes off, was rubbing my feet a little bit and I thought, oh my goodness, my toenails are so long. That's why my feet hurt, this is crazy. So backstory to that is, so I'm at that age where um, my hair, my nails, my face, they, it needs a little more help because things are like not as they used to be. So I take collagen, so I have strong nails. So my hair stays, hasn't done a lot on the wrinkles yet. So we're working on that. But you know what, when I discovered that my toes hurt because my toenails were long, I never one time considered that I would stop taking my collagen. It didn't even cross my mind. I trimmed my nails. I just trimmed my nails. 
So as we step into this thing of growing, when I'm called out on my crap, and it might be you or it might be God that reveals it to me, I have got to trim away. I've got to trim away the anger, the pride, the misplaced love, the deceit, everything that is the opposite of love. Everything that is opposite of that fruit in this, of the spirit that is in me, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Growing reveals those things that I've got to trim. The other option is to quit and just be like, you know what, this is causing a little more discomfort than I signed up with. I'm just going to um, stay home, stay by myself, mind my own business so nobody knows what's going on in my life, whatever that sounds like to you. But I wonder this morning, can we consider like, I want you all to step in. I don't want you to have that as an option, like that you're not gonna grow. Like, as we step into this, can we grow with beautiful attitudes? When I get to the end of myself, can I have a beautiful attitude? Can I live in this blessing of a surrendered life? Not my way, but God's way. If we're guaranteed trouble and trials and sorrows, how then will we live? We're gonna to turn to a passage of scripture in Matthew 5. You may know it as the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. It's all the blesseds. Blessed are the, blessed are the, blessed are the. It's gonna be, on, <clears throat> excuse me. It's gonna be on the screen behind me. It's gonna be in the NIV, which is probably uh, more familiar. And again, like the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. But I'm gonna be reading it from the Passion Translation. And I think uh, there's more, uh, maybe a deeper meaning in it. And so I just want to, to read it to you. But I wanna tell you this word blessed, this word blessed that you'll see on the screen over and over again, the actual Aramaic in that is way beyond what we think of as the word blessed. It is beyond blessed. <clears throat> It is great happiness, prosperity, abundant goodness and delight. So think about it in that way when you see the word blessed. This is beyond blessed. So verse three, what wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? So poor in spirit, meaning when you are humble and totally dependent on God. For there is no charge to enter into heaven's kingdom. Verse four, what delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord? So the word wait here is synonymous with the word mourn. And I was just telling a friend this week how that's how I feel sometimes. When God isn't moving as fast as I think he should, 
or maybe answering prayers the way that I think they should be answered, I kind of have to mourn. I have to mourn what I wanted and let go of it. When I wait upon the Lord, for then I will find what I long for. Verse five, what blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. Verse six, how enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. Verse seven, how satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. Verse eight, what bliss you experience when your heart is pure. For then your eyes will be open to see more and more of God. Verse nine, how blessed you are when you make peace. For then you will be recognized as a true child of God. Next verse, how enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being persecuted. So persecuted, being rejected for doing what is right. For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies of you because of your love for me. Yeah, right. But leap for joy since your reward, your heavenly reward is great. So in spite of our growing pains, because we know they're going to come, be humble, totally dependent on God and be gentle. Wait on God, trust his timing and be content. Crave right standing and goodness, show mercy, show care, show value, forgive, make peace, have a pure heart bear the wounds of being rejected, and live life so that some would have to speak evil of you. They would have to speak a lie to speak evil of you. I think that is the law covered in a whole lot of grace. It says then we're gonna be beyond blessed. Great happiness, contentment, prosperity, fortune, abundant goodness, and delight. As a band comes up, I want to encourage you to just think about trimming away self, because that's at the core of the anger and all those things is self. Get your heart aligned with God and let's help each other. Can we do this accountability thing? I mean, you have to give your, somebody else permission to talk to you too. But can we, can we say like, you know what? Are you sure you want to have another drink? Are you sure that's what you want to do? Enter in whatever scenario. Can we call that out in each other and say, listen, I don't, I don't think that's the way that you want that person to feel because of the way you spoke to them. Can we do that? Can we do that? Friends, it's not judgment. 
It's not judgment. I know that it's so easy to say, oh, I can't say anything to you about your life because I got a mess. Or it's so easy to say, don't judge me. God says we're not supposed to judge. This is family, friends. And what we do is, this is called accountability. And if we want to live in this life of grace, and if we want to champion each other, we're gonna have to start with that. So I'm, I'm asking you this morning to step into that. Would you step into community? Some of you already have, but can you even just one-on-one, -on -one, find a mentor. If you're married, you have kids, one or the other, like find another couple that's about five, maybe 10 years ahead of you in the game and link arms with them because it's so hard to do it alone. Maybe your next step is stepping into a serve team. It's a great way to get into community here at Restore. Maybe your next step is the RDNA brunch. Maybe you have no idea and that's okay. You can email us, email info at restore.church and we can help you. But we firmly believe in this space, this community, which then I hope will bring some accountability and we can help each other as we go through growing pains through life together. I personally have felt a responsibility to the women of Restore. I don't like you guys all, that's, that's all fine and good, but I have a particular call for the women. And God's been kind of prodding me and I've just, you know, shoved his finger away a little bit. So y'all can keep me accountable. I don't know what it looks like. I just know there needs to be something done. I, need, I know there needs to be, God is asking me to do something with the women of Restore. What's your next step? Where's your heart this morning? Are you open to growth or have you closed it off? What is your next step? What can be a step of linking arms with someone to help? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.